0: You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your Otherworldly hosts, Alora Rain and...
1: Kitty Fields.
0: If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the follow button to receive notifications of future weekly episodes. We invite you to check out our sister podcast, Mimir's Well, where we explore taboo and controversial topics in the witchcraft community. And... Please pay a visit to my website, allurarain.com to grab a tarot reading numerology or soul origin profile. We also highly appreciate reviews and ratings on our podcasts. Every review makes our show more accessible to other oracles out there. And now onto the show. God's fairies, elves, ancestors. The deeper we go into our pagan history, the more we see a blurring of the lines between the spirits. In fact, many of the sagas, legends and lore point to the idea that our pagan gods and the beings we call fairies and elves might have once been living, breathing human beings and therefore our ancestors. This is a theory that Kitty has been exploring for some years now. And now it's time to follow us down the misty path of the ancestors where we'll meet gods like Odin, Freyr, and Anya, and respectfully enter the mounds of the elves, if they allow us, that is.
1: Okay, so I feel like I feel like <laughs> people
0: really going to need to go grab those book of shadows pages from Patreon because this is going to be a rabbit hole.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I hope that it's a fun rabbit hole <laughs> because it definitely we're going a little bit deep into this theory, but I feel like it's important. It's an important one to for people to think about and explore. Mm. You know whether yeah. that's just just thinking about it and kind of looking into the myths and yeah okay
0: and it's even along the same lines of are we our own ancestors if we believe in reincarnation
1: oh yeah well that's a you whole other I mean? rabbit hole we could go mm-hmm. now <laughs> yeah
0: but it's yeah but
1: they're parallel
0: they're parallel Absolutely. so can you start to explain a little bit of how this idea you've been exploring and how you got there?
1: The idea is that our gods, our gods and fairies and elves might have once originally been our ancestors. Basically, I've been thinking about this for a while. I say I've recently been exploring the idea, but it's been like a few years now. It's the concept that our labels for the gods and other spirit races like the fae stems from a deep-seated belief in our ancestors and ancestor worship originally. Mm. We're talking about going back thousands and thousands of years, not just, you know, a thousand years or five centuries ago. Essentially, that many of our gods and what we know today as fairies, what what in our minds are going, oh, it's a pixie, it's an elf, it's a this, it's a that. Might have actually that those spirits might have actually been living, breathing human beings like us at one time. Hmm. I know it's crazy, and and the see see the thing is is that those those concepts are so solidified in our mind. This is a god. This is a fairy. This is an ancestor. But the 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 idea is when you start to look deeply into the Celtic and Germanic traditions, particularly because these are the ones that I've studied. The lines between the spirits, the labels for them, it's it's blurry at best. Mm. So you'd think the more that you'd read and research, the clearer these beings would become. This is a fairy. This is a god. This is an ancestor. But in fact, the more you read and research, it becomes more complex and muddy. So you go, wait a second. I thought this was a fairy. Now you're saying this fairy was a real human being, but somehow became an elf later on. So I know it sounds crazy. Y'all are like, this woman is mad. She's mad. I tell you.
0: (laughs) No, I don't. As I'm listening to you talk about this, I don't think that you're crazy. I think it's actually not far fetched. When we think about polytheism and pantheons of deities and how they cross over from culture to culture. Right. Mm -hmm we have that concept. So why not entertain something similar, but different? I don't think that that's, you know, completely left field.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, if we essentially, if we strip away the titles and the words that we've applied to these different beings, do they, if we strip all that away, do they come closer to being the same thing or not? That's the question that we're Mm. exploring today.
0: Yes, and especially because when you get into genealogy and ancestral history, tracing, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Right. I know you personally have been able to, and I personally have been able to trace our lineage back to a particular deity. Yes. Right? So what's, how do I put this? Uh, in my family in particular, or my ancestral ancestral lineage, it's actually a love story where one of my ancestors was a follower of a particular druid who had a love affair with Breed. Yeah. So why couldn't they be human beings? Exactly. Exactly. Giving you some confirmation that that's not hard to believe, I guess, for my mind.
1: Well, I'm glad. And, and a good example of this is actually Odin himself, the big man. The
0: big man.
1: <laughs> Santa Claus.
0: No. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, I mean, they do a line, but okay. Well. For another show. That's another episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So Odin. We're going to think of him as a man and an ancestor just for this episode, right? So it's actually possible that a person named Odin or Odin or however it was actually originally pronounced lived an actual human life in ancient times. This is even mentioned in the sagas that Odin was a real king from somewhere in Eastern Europe or possibly the Middle East even who migrated to Northern Europe and conquered many peoples. And because of his legendary status, and because of a strong ancestral religious system, the people ended up deifying their an- ancestor, aka King Odin, the big man. So it's interesting too, because many Germanic royal bloodlines claim him as their divine ancestor, which is what you were just talking about with the with or similar, right? Also in the myths, Odin creates man and woman from driftwood, then breathes life into them. And we call him the all father. So I feel like there's more to that than just, oh, you know, he was a creator. I think, too, it's it's kind of a nod to his potential actual human life and how he was, you know, an all father to these people. Right. An ancestor, essentially.
0: Yes. And I have not told you this yet. But I have because I did plug, I just got my ancestry results, y'all, my DNA. Woop, <laughs> but,
1: Exciting. I,
0: I did plug my DNA into my true ancestry. Yeah. And do you know that I have more Frankish blood than anything else? Oh, that's interesting. And I have more, and between my brother and I, because he's had his DNA done as well. Mm-hmm. And between the two of us, I have far more Germanic blood than he does.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting because that's cool. Uh, yeah, but anyways, yes. And now that you're telling me that uh, Germanic royal bloodlines, this makes me want to research it further.
1: Yeah. You know what's funny, too, is I always felt like I was going to come up with a lot more Celtic
0: mm. blood and,
1: and and my true ancestry, but mine is actually all mainly of Germanic um, people, too. Like, my top one is actually Danish Viking, which I was like, what? That's awesome.
0: <gasps> that, that's like my second one.
1: Yeah. So I feel like you and I, we're going to have to compare all that. I know course, we are. You know we have common ancestors. Okay. <laughs> we already established this, all right? Our people come from the same part of Scotland too, so that's crazy. Let's swing it back around to Odin though, right? Okay, let's do that. I just wanted to read this part from the Yingling Saga, not the beer, the saga, verse 2. The country east of the Tanaquil in Asia was called Asia Land or Asiaheim. And the chief city in that land was called Asgard. And I'm probably pronouncing all these things off, right? Yeah, this is interesting. In that city was a chief called Odin, and it was a great place for sacrifice. Odin was a great and very far-traveled warrior who conquered many kingdoms, and so successful was he that in every battle the victory was on his side. It was the belief of his people that victory belonged to him in every battle. It was his custom when he sent men into battle that he first laid his hand upon their heads and called down a blessing upon them, and then they believed their undertaking would be successful. His people also were accustomed, whenever they fell into danger by land or sea, to call upon his name, and they thought that always they got comfort and aid by it, for where he was, they thought help was near.
0: Where is this place here that we're talking about? That's what I want to know.
1: Right. Yeah. Have you Isn't that researched it? it? Don
0: River. Yeah, that's, I mean, I just popped in Tannic, whatever that word is mm-hmm. in Asia. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it says Don River. But I don't know. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Hold on. Listen, I'd have to look more into that because I'm like, mm, if this is a real place, maybe this is
1: legit. The modern day Don, yeah, which falls into the Black Sea, marks the border between Europe and Asia hmm yeah yeah it's wild huh gotta read the sagas people there's some good stuff in there okay
0: (laughs) they're just hard to understand
1: i know i know i know you kind of gotta like comb through it slowly (laughs) like read a little bit then we put it down then come back a couple months later you know read a little bit put it down all right so another god who is also referred to as an ancestor, is Frey. He's also considered an elf to a degree in Norse mythology. So he's a great representation of how the lines are blurred between the gods' ancestors and the elven beings. He's considered an ancestor to the Yinglings, a royal bloodline of old Sweden. Similar to how, you know, Odin is an ancestor to the Danes and some other people, Frey is considered the ancestor to the Swedes. So, in addition, the Edas, written by Sturluson in the 12th century, depict Frey as a god and as a king of elf home. Mm. And one of our favorite writers, Linda Radish, we've talked about her before, she explores the idea of Frey. As an earthly god and an elf, being even older than the worship of Odin and arising from the Nordic Bronze Age. Mm. And so then when the Aesir, the sky gods, sort of took over as the main Norse pantheon, Odin and Thor grew in popularity, washing out some of the older earthly gods. Yet, Frey's veneration still continued, and we have evidence of this at the Temple of Uppsala in Sweden, because Mm -hmm. apparently he was still being worshipped there during the Christianization of Scandinavia. So, his name has stayed pretty much just as powerful as Odin and Thor. But I guess where I'm going with this is that Frey also being, so he's a god, right? But they also say he's an elf. And he's also an ancestor, so it's just okay. But it's it's building up. We're building up to it. Let's talk about elves, baby, as mm-hmm. ancestors and as gods. So the word itself, elf, alf, or alfar. Elf. I word. watched Alf in the '80s. Yes, the word elf, alf, alfar, not alien life form, but when we're talking about elves, it's of Germanic origin. And it relates to the words Alba and Alb, which are in Proto-Germanic and translate to light or brilliant. Actually, one of the ancient names for Britain was Alba. Hmm. Okay, but moving on. Many names That's in the so Middle Jessica Ages. Alba. Go ahead, what? Uh, there's also Jessica Alba. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, uh, basically the word means light. Got to work in a little pop culture. <laughs> yeah. Where is okay. she been? anyway? She's been off the radar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Names. Let's talk about names. So we're talking about the word elf, Alf, Alfar. Many names in the Middle Ages stem from words that meant elf or Elven, and many we still use today. It's just that most people don't even realize that Albert, Alfred, Aubrey, Avery, Alvin, Alfric. <laughs> and if you want to hear like a ton of medieval names that mean elf, you just have to watch The Last Kingdom. There's literally like a dozen of them in there. Alfred, mm-hmm. alf, Ethelfled, Alfwin. I could go on. But basically all of these names with with the syllable alf or elf were particularly common with royalty. Hello, saying we descend from elven gods, right? mm. Yeah. So, if you had any of those names that I just lift, listed off, you have a badass name, and I'm jealous. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, was, uh, I
0: was just thinking of um you you even see that in like when you watch Vikings and oh, the, yeah. the follow up mm-hmm. that one, but both of those too, you'll see those names a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In modern Norse paganism, the Alfar are our ancient elevated male ancestors, and the Dísir are our ancient ancestral goddesses, or what we would call like elevated female ancestors. In addition, these beings are considered of the elven race. So basically, the elves, elven race, Alfar, they're all our ancestors to a lot of modern Norse pagans.
0: Okay. The CM
1: is one and the same. Each Norse Germanic family and individual has its own alfar and dísir guiding and protecting them from the other side. Though, don't get it twisted, the alfar and the dísir can be downright vicious, particularly the dísir of whom required sacrifices back in the day. Mm. Yeah, there's a story about how during the Christianization of Scandinavia a man in one family decided that they wouldn't sacrifice someone for their D.C. -er at the D.C. blot. And instead they would sacrifice a bull. The D.C. -er apparently came down from a mountain in the distance, wearing black hooded cloaks, knocked on the door. The man answered the door and they unalived him and left. Well,
0: (laughs) that's a little extreme.
1: It didn't work out for him very well. So, the D seer are guardians of the bloodline. They can grant prosperity, but they also control the fate of the individual. They're likened to the Norns, of whom control the destiny of the universe. And in fact, we could say that the Norns are the D seer of the gods. Am I like, are people completely losing me at this point? It's okay. It's all right if you are. I'm going to keep going. Interestingly. Wait a minute. Finish this part. Yeah. Interestingly, the Norns are often described with different names and being different entities, including goddesses, ancestors, and trolls. So, again, like this is just I'm just pointing out the fact that all of these things are completely blurred (laughs) when you go
0: back. (laughs) To put that in English, um, (laughs) I understand what you're saying. So you're saying that elves yes. or alfar mm-hmm. and ancestors are one and the same in modern Norse practice. Correct. Right. Then you've got the deir mm-hmm. which are elevated female ancestors slash goddesses. Yes. Correct. So you get one of each. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, the daisir required human sacrifice. Yes. According this, to the sagas.
1: I mean, we don't know that for yeah, sure, but, you know,
0: according to the sagas and this particular dude thought he was going to be smart, mm-hmm. instead sacrifice a bull. And then the day here was like, "Um, no, not going to happen. Goodbye. <laughs> right. And, which is interesting because if they are the protector of the bloodline,
1: mm-hmm.
0: They also require a sacrifice from the bloodline
1: then. Well, we don't know the whole story. Maybe he was like going to ruin the bloodline. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't know how all that works in. Yeah. But because that's old practice, we do not, you know, there's no more human sacrifice. Obvi.
1: Obvi. Obvi.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know about the Norns,
1: though. What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't know about them just in general, or are you just saying like you don't, what do you mean? Because
0: <laughs> you said the Norns are the day seer of the gods and the universe. Mm-hmm.
1: No, that is, that is true. According to the the Edas, if we're going off the Edas and the sagas, they control the destiny of the universe and of the gods themselves. the The gods actually say that the Norns are above them. That's true. They're supposed to be even older than the gods. They're they're beyond the gods. I don't, Again, it's like hard to understand all of this, really, because.
0: My brain is hurting.
1: Oh. I know. I do. And I wrote it. <laughs>
0: so the yeah. next thing you have on this list says sitting out. And then in italics, it says Sita mm-hmm. So
1: what yeah. is that? So, this is a practice in Norse tradition. Where an individual would seek guidance or visions by sitting out on top of a mound, often a burial mound of an ancestor, mm. and it's also mentioned as seeking guidance from the alfar, of course, and or the gods.
0: Mm, that's interesting,
1: right? So, to quote Linda Radish in her brilliant book *The Old Magic of Christmas*, which I will be reading again this year. The ancient Scandinavians regarded the Alfar as a distinct class of beings, though there's some fluidity among the bloodlines of elves, gods, Norns, and even humans. So she also goes on to say, if the elves resemble us, it's because they are us, or rather they were. The human who stumbles upon a procession of elves, or an impromptu elvish feast, is often startled to recognize someone he knows among them someone who has passed away either recently or years before. The elves then are the dead, not the quietly resting dead, but those who, for whatever reason, have taken up new lives on the other side of the veil and at times might come strolling back through it.
0: Have you ever seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People?
1: No, but I feel like you've talked about that before and I probably should watch it. You should watch it. (laughs)
0: It's, yeah, it has bands, it has leprechauns. That's awesome. But that makes me think of this whole, are the dead, not the quietly resting dead, but those who, for whatever reason, have taken up new lives on the other side of the veil. Yeah. Hmm. It's thought. I do soul origin profiling. This Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. This is not far-fetched. Oh, I love that.
1: Oh, I love that. Ooh, yay.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, of course
1: you would, you would know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is just a different, how do I put this? Uh, this is a different quilt, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I think that you can, I think that it's possible mm-hmm. that all of this is, you know, that you're right about all of this. Does it make one any less than the others or does it make one any more credible than the others? No. Cause I still think. Yeah. When you're in a position, like, let's say you've taken up, you've decided to take up a new life on the other side as elven. Mm-hmm. I still think that that is separate from when you serve as an ancestor. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily, like, I know that you're saying that it's all one and the same. I'm saying I agree with you to a certain point, but I also f- feel like there's distinction there
1: oh yeah yeah i mean listen i don't know this is just a theory you know but it's Hmm. just worth i feel like it's worth exploring oh no but yeah i I agree with you yeah Yeah. i agree with you we're great we're speaking
0: on the same page this (laughs) is why
1: we do what we do (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) okay alpha blot
1: Okay, so firstly, I've written an enti- Firstly, is that a word? First, I've written an entire blog post on the Alpha Blot, its origins, and how to celebrate it on Otherworldly Oracle. There's also one on the dista Blot if you're interested. I'll be linking to those articles in the text box, info box. Alpha Blot is essentially the Elven Blot or sacrifice, often taking place during the winter nights or what would be the end of autumn, leading up to the solstice. This was practiced in Sweden. We know for sure. And the blot is the blot or sacrifice, which also takes place during the winter nights. And there is another, actually another blot called the Disting, that occurs in February too. So there are two different holidays, whatever you want to call them.
0: Two different sacrificial days.
1: days. Yes. Um, But basically both of those are honoring your elven ancestors and your desir ancestors.
0: Okay. So... While we're here. Mm-hmm. Since we no longer practice human sacrifice, what entails an alpha blot or a desir blot? Just give an example. Like, is it set are yeah. you sacrificing a practice of your own, something you love, or is it more um, I mean
1: it depends? Okay. So if you're solitary and you're doing your own thing, you can do it however you want. But I mean, yeah, you can you can give up something sacrifice something, right? Like, I don't know, coffee, like alcohol, whatever, whatever that is to you with when they're talking about like feasting something like a Christmas ham might take the place of the Yule boar. So that's also considered like a a modern sacrifice.
0: Well, the other question I have as well, because these are both sacrificial Holidays. Is there a difference between the two? Like, would you sacrifice something different for Alpha Blot than Desir Blot? Like, a, or does it matter? Or do you know?
1: I I would think that it would be different because on if you're following the sort of more modern idea or what we believe is Alpha versus or Alpha is more of a ancient male energy, masculine energy whereas the DCer were considered like maternal ancestors. So, right. I mean, you might want to differentiate, I would think, but again, I think it's a personal practice. So right. that would be up to the individual.
0: I just didn't know if the spirits had a preference, you know what I mean? Because for example, uh, in our last episode where we talked about Hikate. There are definitely things that she prefers for offering. So I didn't know if there was a different, you know, if there was mm. an absolute between Alpha Blot and this uh, Desa Blot in that regard. If,
1: no, it, there's nothing that's clear about that. Like as far as gotcha. tradition goes, if if you are a part of a group of Norse pagans, they might do it a certain way. But I like to stay solitary for many reasons and so you know like i'm sure kind of like how covens have their own traditions right that they've developed i'm sure maybe you could find something like that if you were in a norse group but as far as like what we know we know hekate likes garlic and you know she works with henbane and like all these different things but no we don't know for sure about the alfar versus the dc yeah yeah
0: okay so now that we've talked extensively about elves Let's go and talk about fairies and ancestors in the Celtic
1: world. There's a lot of similarities between Celtic and Norse gods as well as their traditions in general, right? So I don't really feel that it's surprising that in the Celtic world or Celtic lands, they also claim gods and fairies as their ancestors as well. Mm. And one of the things that kind of stuck out to me when I was researching all of this, we talked about how the Norse and Germanic people did the Uta Sitta, which is like sitting out on a tomb or a mound um, in order to receive a message or a vision from either the Alfar or their ancestors. Right. Mm -hmm. We have a similar concept or ritual in the celtic lands as well so dang yeah but not so what's
0: that i said interesting but not surprising
1: right exactly there's actually a story in scottish lore about how they would sit out at night as well but they would cover themselves in the skin or the hide of a particular animal too. Mm. And, um, usually this was also on a mound or near a tomb of some kind. I always picture like new Grange or something like that, you know, in my head, but I don't know if that's actually happened, but that's kind of what I picture. (laughs) Um, that'd be a pretty cool place to, I feel like sit out all night and see what kind of visions you get. Right.
0: Yeah. And I also feel like lack of sleep would just induce (laughs) (laughs) like you wouldn't even need any extra help to induce visions staying up all night
1: of course and like just think about the i feel like the tricks your eyes play on you like when you're out in the dark anyway Mm -hmm. so there's probably a lot of that
0: yes for sure
1: yeah and so similar to how the norse had their mounds and then the ancestors were inside and also that was also where you could meet the alfar it's interesting to note that in most and a lot of celtic lore the fairies and also the tua which were the the family of gods were Mm. also said to be living in mounds or you could access their world through a mound
0: right yes there's and there's lots of i mean like Anya has her own mound, like all I pretty sure all of the Celtic deities had their own mounds, yep,
1: yeah, they do. And actually, I'm about to talk about there's a hill in Galway or mound, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. <laughs> called Nakma Hill, and it's actually notably an ancient world site, and scholars and archaeologists in Ireland actually claim that it's just as important to world history as Stonehenge or even Newgrange, but Mm. it's just not yet as widely recognized, which is pretty cool. I got to go there. So I'm really excited about this part.
0: Yeah. I was (laughs) gonna say that's what I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say, did you get to go there when you went to Ireland?
1: I did. And it was the last real big part of our trip and I I am so glad we did it because it was the best part. It was amazing. So this is a hill that's been used for thousands of years, longer than the pyramids in Egypt were built right before that, as a ceremonial Mm. burial ground. Mm. Where it gets interesting is that in addition to being a burial place for the dead, later on in the Celtic lore, it also became a place of the fae or the good folk. So specifically, the elven king Fenvara, who they also call the king of the dead, makes his home in this hill. Mm. Yeah. King Finvara is well-known to have liked the ladies, human ladies, as his lovers. And he mm-hmm. even tries stealing a local one and one of the local myths. So this is kind of where we also see the idea of, like, fey and elves as ancestors in that they right. interbred with humans. Right, right. Yeah. And in addition, in the same hill at Nakma Hill, there's at least five ancient carns, one of which might be the carn of Queen Maeve, who's a legendary queen of Ireland, as well as uh, considered a goddess in modern times and also a fairy queen. Mm. Her carn her at the very top of the hill had a lot of energy coming off of it. Like it, it was pretty crazy. And what I found interesting, too, this is just a side note for everybody. If you ever want to visit there, I highly recommend it. As you climb up to the top of the hill, the hike gets a little bit steeper. It's a little bit harder because it's really rocky up there. Mm. It's like the the foliage changes from mossy and green to like sp- spiny plants with less foliage. And I had al- always read, if you ever read uh, a Dane McCoy's work, she talks about how when there's more like spiny or thorny bushes present, there's more of a protective Fae vibe. Hmm. So I kind of, I note, I just mentally noted that as we got closer to Queen Maeve's, what's supposed to be her burial place. Mm. Pretty
0: neat. Anyway. It almost so- reminds <laughs> me of it, al- it almost reminds me of um, and please, nobody take offense to this, but it almost reminds me of the same type of vibes as like Marie Laveau's crypt. Yeah. The way they're describing it.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. I've never actually heard anyone describe like the energy there and I've never gotten to visit it. So that's interesting.
0: I have not visited it, but my mother has. And she, and she is not, she is a hundred percent Catholic, but she will tell you. That you can feel the energy coming off of Marie Laveau's crypt. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, like in recent years they've they've closed it off because of so much vandalism and stuff. I did read that, yeah. But she said, even though you can't like walk up to it anymore, like just walking by where it is, you like know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to explain the feeling that I got on this hill in particular. And I say it's a hill. It's really in my terms, it's a mountain, but they call it a hill there, but it's, it's gorgeous. You can literally, I I just felt like you could literally see the energy coming up off of the hill and off the trees physically. Mm, Yeah. It's an amazing place. So I highly recommend if you go to Ireland, if anybody lives in Ireland, you haven't been to the Tanakhma to Hill in Galway, you really need to go.
0: It's like when it's really, really hot out. Right. And yes. you can see the heat from the yes. concrete.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yep. Like vapors, like coming up off the ground and it wasn't hot. <laughs> it was cold.
0: <laughs> I got you. I got you.
1: Yeah, pretty I, awesome. I know what
0: you're talking about.
1: Pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely visit there. Okay, so moving on, though. Also, I wanted to bring up the fact that the other world, the Celtic other world, it's called Tirnanog, and there's a bunch of other different names for it that we'll get into. But basically, it's a land where the fairies live, right? Mm. But it's also considered the afterlife in a lot of Irish lore over the years. Mm. So just saying
0: this- it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So the old stories used to say that when people died, their souls would go to the Celtic otherworld. So Tirnanog, being one example, translates to the land of youth and is featured famously in the tales of, I'm going to butcher these names. Is that Oisin? Oisin sure. And Neve. Okay. That's thank side. you.
0: Yeah, that is definitely Neve. Okay.
1: <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there are other names for this place, this otherworldly place, including Magmel, which means the plain of delight, and Emain Ablach is the Isle of Apple Trees. Hmm. Yeah, so the Tua de Danan live in Tirnanog in some of these tales, and they're featured in a lot of the myths called the Imram or the Imrama, which are voyage tales. Hmm. There's basically these heroes in these voyage tales. They take a trip across the sea. Sometimes they go down under the water. Sometimes they have to go through a mist in order to reach this Celtic otherworld. But there, they're always meeting otherworldly creatures, including the Tua, um, which are the gods, as well as their ancestors and other fairy-type creatures.
0: Um. Okay, I'm going to stop you there for a second because, you know, I like slipping in some pop culture.
1: <laughs> Have you seen Carnival Row? It is on my to-be-watched list, and I've yet <sighs> to get to it.
0: Okay. Well, what I was going to say is, for those who haven't watched it, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it do- it starts out in Tirna Nog, and there's this whole war that's going mm-hmm. on. And
1: right. essentially,
0: the-, the show follows the exiled Fae and... Preachers from Tiernanog Nog who are now in the real world, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm um, Yeah. In Ireland. So it's, and it's slow burn though. It's slow burn. Because you'll get like the first couple of episodes, you'll be like, oh my God, this is so slow. But then by episode three, you're hooked.
1: Yeah. I mean, I sometimes like slow burns. I'm watching um Midnight Mass. Have you watched that yet?
0: No, I haven't seen that yet.
1: I'm on like episode three and it's kind of like a slow, creepy burn, but it's got me hooked enough that I'm like, what's going to happen? Anyway, there's nothing to do with this episode, but. Okay. Menon Meclier. He's the ruler of Tiernanog, and he's a sea god of Celtic lore, if y'all aren't aware of that. And he's also said to be the first ancestor of the human race and also a king of the dead. How many kings of the dead do we we need well, apparently, there's multiple <laughs> kingdoms, so I guess quite a few. I don't know. Okay, in addition, fairy queens, yes. So, we talked about how you know Odin and Frey are a couple of the Norse Germanic gods that are considered ancestors in Ireland mm. and in Celtic lore. There's also, or Celtic tradition, rather, there's also Celtic fairy queens and goddesses and heroes that are considered ancestors. The ancient families. They're also referred to as SEPs, S-E-P-T-S, and clans mm. of Celtic Irish folk, basically. They claim descent from a couple different. It's pretty much everybody. Yeah, they claim descent from pretty much all the gods. So the idea of royal lines claiming descent from divine beings is not really new, and it's not solely Norse or even Celtic, but I think it goes across cultures, right? The ancient Egyptians, as another example. Yeah. The first Irish family or clan that I wanted to talk about are called the Corca Wena mm. D-H-U-I-B-N-E. That's pronounced Wena They claim yeah. descent from the Kalyuk, mm. who is a goddess and a hag figure, but also a part of the Tua de Danan.
0: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we have another clan of Irish people called the Dalcash who were originally the Daisi people. They claim descent from Fleaish, who was a goddess as well as a fairy queen in later lore. Mm. Lu is another Celtic god who's also part of the Tua. And multiple Irish clans claim Lu as their god and ancestor. If your ancestors were part of the Onacta, O G I'm going to put all these down in the Info box so that everyone can actually read the real words. <laughs> anyway, if your ancestors are part of this group, then Lou would be your divine ancestor. The connection here, though, lies in a king who was named after Lou. And also, the, these Irish clans claim descent from Cuhulin, who was a legendary hero. And he, he was actually claimed that he was the son of Lou. So there's kind of like a, well, you know, our mm-hmm. ancestor was this legendary hero, but his father was a god, so we still descend from a god.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like Amun Ra and Ra. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The Barishi sep claims descent from the goddess breed.
0: Mm. That's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh. And there's like a bunch more. There's there's a lot that claim descent from Mananan. There's some that claim descent from Danu, Maka, which if you know about the Morrigan, Maka was one of the whatever aspect. Incarnations. <laughs> yes. Spaces. Exactly. So I could go on and on with all the different clans and the divine ancestors that they claim, but we would literally be here all night. So I'm not going to But I will link to my blog posts that go into all of the gods and goddesses and fairy queens and some of the names that are connected to them. Mm. I will say this. I wasn't able to put every single Irish name under every single god and goddess because it could probably fill a book. Yeah, that's, that's just too much. Yeah. But I think that if you know your familial, your ancestral Irish surname specifically, You can track down the original clan that they claim descent from and then figure out which god or goddess that you can claim as your divine ancestor, which is fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because the, like when you trace back your Celtic Irish heritage, Mm -hmm. find out that there's really like a handful of clans at that point. Correct. Like it gets smaller and smaller.
1: Yeah. Which always blows my mind when you think about a family tree and how it gets so big and then it goes back small, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Sometimes I can't wrap my head around that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because if you think about it, we're going that way now. Like there was a time where our family trees were so, got so big and exploded, right? Mm -hmm. Nowadays with the birth rates and things like that, our trees are getting more narrow. Ooh. Because we're not having as many kids true. and grandkids. And You're right. Yeah. So it'll be like, it would be so interesting to see how family trees looked or what they will look like in the next, I don't know, four or five generations.
1: Yeah. True. But true. sadly, I'll be looking be like Charlie that. Brown's Christmas tree. <laughs> 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 ah, that's funny. <laughs> Okay, what do you think? Did I I feel like I pre- presented enough evidence? Yeah, I think I think you did a great job. Thought maybe on the question.
0: Definitely. And the whole when you started talking about how Tirnanog was also the Celtic otherworld. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also the land of the fae. Mm-hmm. Again, with my work makes so much sense. Awesome. I love right? that. Because Again, if you have had an elemental existence,
1: right, you could have been in in a NOG. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There you go.
1: I like it when my crazy theories actually aren't crazy and they resonate with somebody.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, would you like to wrap this one up?
1: Thank you for joining us. And if you would like to check out the links for this episode, I'm going to put them in the info box. And please tune in next week for another episode. And remember, whether you're in the land of the fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.